Welcome everybody to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. You're joining me here today for another episode of On Air, our live and unedited podcast that we record live on Twitter each Thursday night, chatting through all of the major news from team announcements and also for your Q&As for the week. This week, you've got me on there on the mics and you've also got Bales DT from AFL Fantasy Fanatics joining me to have a great chat about all the important news and events before round four. So you're going to throw straight to me now. Enjoy. G'day everyone listening, thanks for coming along live, it's always very much appreciated and uh, welcome to round four team announcements uh, live free kick on air with me Liam and Bales from AFL Fanatics, Fantasy Fanatics, how you going Bales? Thanks mate, um, yeah looking forward to another weekend of AFLW and AFLW Fantasy, it's always good and I know that it's an exciting time of uh, the year because sort of the AFLW marrying up with the prelims uh, and the grand final of the men's, which obviously it's a bit like a, well, I know for about next week it'll be like a festival of footy almost uh, over in Melbourne. So uh, hopefully one of these days I can get over and uh, to Melbourne during that week and then watch a heap of games and go to a grand final. Hopefully it's the Crows um, actually making it. But, uh, but no, I'm looking forward to chatting um, this week, mate. How are you? Yeah, look, not too bad. I'm uh, definitely keen for the footy to start and also very keen knowing that I've got a uh, – next week I've got a public holiday on the Friday, <laughs> which means that I'm probably going to go from – there's a game – two games. So I live walking distance from Icon Park. There's two games at Icon Park on the public holiday Friday and then the Bombers and Collingwood are playing like right next to the MCG at the AIA Centre for Collingwood on the Saturday morning. Yeah. So I'm keen as for next week, yeah. but I'm not going to let that detract from this <laughs> weekend's teams, which love a little segue straight into tomorrow night's game. And I believe, I think this is the last one we're going to get dudded with at 5.05 and having to mad scramble our way to uh, fix up anything after five o'clock uh, team announcements. But it does mean that we've got Hawthorne and Melbourne. So coming in for Hawthorne are Talia Fellows and Bridget Deed, and out are Louise Stevenson and Akesh Makua-Chut. And then for Melbourne, it's Amy Macken in. And then, interestingly enough, Maddie Gay managed. And Maddie Gay was very popular in the preseason, mm. in people's preseason teams. So I wonder how many teams she's still actually in. She's dropped a hunk of cash. Oh my lord! Eighteen percent of teams still have Maddie Gay. So yeah, big one. That is a that is a large out to to say the least. Yeah, yeah, large. Um, yeah, because oh, I didn't think she's. Uh, I saw she's quite put in the in the preseason. I thought she's a good pick, but I thought yeah, yeah, likes of uh, Carney, Sheeran's, like Evans, Heads, like the ones that coordinators like people were talking about I thought they'd be popping but I know that noticed Matty Gay was up there so yeah that's uh, something that coaches are going to have to deal with already yeah and I think it was one of those situations where I think I faded her just because I just wasn't sure that uh, she had the the kind of necessary ceiling with all of those players at Melbourne and I think that's true of a lot of Melbourne players kind of in their midfield and halfbacks like 
one week it might be all right, but there's 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 that many people that can score well. It's you know Mithen West. Um, you've got a multiple forwards. It's it's a it's a definitely a tough uh, group to break into. What I was actually just going to try and pull up is how many teams inside the top you know one and five k actually still have Matty Gay. Because that's going to be a serious issue for people if they've still got it. So, Maddie Gay, let's have a look. Maddie Gay, so he's in 60 teams in the top 1K. Or is that, no, that's six teams. In six teams in the top 1K and 100, well, yeah, maybe 30 in the top 2K. So there are a few people out there that are probably scrambling at this point. Yeah, so not not, not too um, many. No, not too many. Now, in terms of the ins, I would say great that we've got a 300k rookie. We've got Amy Macken, who's a sister of Bly Macken, who came in last year, both out of Ireland. Now, Bly came in with a good pedigree, but Amy has won now multiple, I think, best player awards or have been best player for her team multiple times. She's highly regarded over in Ireland. And as a kind of forward type player, Having watched a little bit of her highlights, I don't know if they're as, you know, game-breakingly, you know, or inspiring as what we saw from Vicky Wall last year, but definitely looks like she'll be a very competent player. I think as a 300k player to pick, it's not an outrageous choice, to be honest. It's not like Melbourne have a lot of injuries that they're trying to fill because Alyssa Batten has been named. So I think if you're looking for a 300k rookie forward, uh, she's definitely an option. And if I was... Uh, there is a trade plan that I'm doing where I would bring in Amy Macken, but uh, I would really love if it would, the game was at seven so that I could make any late changes from five o'clock teams, but not a bad player to pick at all. In terms of Hawthorne, I don't think either of their outs are particularly impactful. Um, a name that's been popular to discuss this week is Christy Stratton. Have you got uh, many thoughts on her at all, Bale? Yeah, so well, a few people asked me about her uh, in the t- on the Twitter space last week before the game, and I just I wasn't sold. And I, you made the point of Tamara Smith coming back in, and, and that that would push her a little bit out. And and so last week, if you still picked her, you'd be pretty happy because she still scored seventy eight. That's back to back seventies, but obviously, and it's built on the back of, of of tackles. She was the top tackler last week, twelve tackles the week before that as well. But she's now six eighty six, and it's I think it's that awkward price where. You're probably going to want her to to make a, a bit more cash, like maybe a couple hundred k to be then be able to be a, almost a straight swap for one of these maybe fallen forward premiums or even uh, going up to one of the top ones. But I feel like it's just she's in that awkward price now. If you got a last week, great. I think it's probably uh, past you. So I'd probably be looking at other options unless um, that it, that could like that. Uh, like that's all you can get to. Um, but even just having a what's a, like Zali Goldsworth? Like Zali Goldsworth is six eighty two. So I would personally rather her. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is actually a question that I've been chatting with uh, with uh, some of the guys from the the Cousins podcast who did their first AFLW bit of content this week. I don't know if people have listened. I found it very entertaining. Um, would I would recommend. Uh, interestingly enough, got a break of in over only. 35. So we'll make nearly 70k if she scores another 60 this week. I don't know if that's going to be possible because if I'm Hawthorne, I'm putting my first choice midfielders in. And interestingly enough, as much as she scored well last week, she did actually see her dip nearly halving basically of her CBAs from the week before where she was an 80% midfielder. And particularly for Melbourne as well, where there, there isn't a natural tag target for her to run with, which is why she had such a 
high CBA count in that um, Western Bulldogs game. Yeah, is, it, is it maybe Kate Hall? Is that does she maybe try and follow her around? Ah, uh, like maybe, but I, I would be like I don't know if you'd necessarily run a tag out for a twenty thirty percent CBA play. Yeah, yeah, good point. So that is the first game. Moving on to Saturday's games, we've got a lovely bit of bright and early Canberra content for everybody. We've got GWS <laughs> and Adelaide. Eleven oh five. Another about ten ten thirty five for me. Bloody hell, it's going to be <laughs> early. And imagine the people over in Perth that want to get up for it far out. Yeah, that's. I'm I'm surprised they haven't tried to make this a Perth game and get put uh, you know get West Coast to get up at four in the morning to make it to the game. <laughs> so. Uh, the outs for Greater Western Sydney are Alicia Eva. Interestingly enough, it is not Elise Parker, who has clearly passed her fitness test, which I don't know, Bales, if you were watching that game live, but she looked in a lot of pain. And it's never good when you see that and then they're testing ACL stability. So she's managed to make it up for the game. And then in uh, Eva's place, they've named Caitlin Miller. Uh, have they named her on the field? Why is it that I now can't even see her name at all? Um, oh, yeah, I named her on a half-forward line. And then Adelaide, uh, the outs are Steely Thompson, who's out with a back injury, which we chatted about on Sunday. And then Laura Whiteley, Lisa Whiteley, sorry, has been named omitted as well. And then in are Montana McKinnon and Denny Varnigan. So, interestingly enough, Montana McKinnon means that Probably see a bit more Jess Allen forward, which is very unfortunate because I think GWS Ruck, uh, Rucks against GWS is the best matchup in the game now. Yeah. After the uh, performance that Gabby Seymour put together last week and then, you know, one uh, Laura Gardner knocking down Brisbane as the toughest matchup for midfielders. Um, but interestingly enough, Denny Varnigan is a 300k player who's, I think she's had three or four seasons before. Hasn't played in each of the last two, so he's priced at 300k. I believe she's been named. I believe she's a midfielder. Would you be Would you be going there if you were looking for a 300k midfielder this week? I would, um, Percy. I was looking at it last week, and it would have been good if she was named last week because I would have been able to afford uh, perfect trades this week. So I was 7k off of a couple of trades I wanted to do, but. Um, I went Caitlin Pope and said, who, who went okay? And, she, and we'll get to the Port game later on and talk about her. But, um, yeah, I think she's a good option. I think she's got the experience. She's not a little bit an older player. I think 31. So she's she's not she's not going to be a rookie come in and sort of be overawed by anything. She's she's obviously played the Crows for, for – I can't remember exactly how many games she's played, but she's obviously played before. So I think if you're getting a 300K player with experience, I think it's a, it's a good woman. She'd be my pick of the sort of 300K players, I guess, if you're looking for a – um, a player in utility. Yeah, so she's played. Um, she's played actually in all of the first five seasons. Um, averaged oh, maybe ten touches. Um, my memory, if my memory serves me, not a great fantasy scorer. I've just got yeah, like averages in the forties and thirties. Um, so not exactly a particularly amazing fantasy scorer. I think part of the reason why that she's probably been picked is. She has played a bit of a defensive role before, uh, according to Will, and I think with the out of Stevie Lee Thompson, that's probably indicating that, unsurprisingly, Adelaide are short of defenders. And funnily enough, again, Chelsea Randall has been named at centre-half back, which is you know a shock twist for all those <laughs> that were 
keeping their ears to the ground in the pre She's dropped a lot. Like 381K Chelsea Randall's dropped this this year. So when – I, I guess probably the question I ask you is when Sarah Allen and a few of these other players come back, is, yeah, yeah, she's a discounted premium to, to be looking at, I'd imagine. Yes, absolutely. And to be honest, like I, I think it might actually just be – just uh, watching the games and just seeing if just see if there's any kind of subtle role changes. Maybe another forward drops back because I think that Adelaide's going to try everything to kind of cover that hole and then free Randall up to be a mid forward more towards the back end of the season yeah. when they're really looking to to get through game strongly and, and compete for a, you know a top two spot. Yeah, and then the other question I've had for you as well: What do you reckon? Uh, Lister, who do you, does, does she go to? Someone um, like because sort of, I, I don't know if Hatchard or, or Marinoff are good, are sort of necessarily good matchups uh, for Listers because of Hatchard's endurance and and like her marking prowess. And Marinoff's just obviously just a beast in the midfield. So does she go to anyone? Maybe like does she go to Chelsea Randall or something? I don't know. I would say that if they're going to rather putting Annalise Lister in at CBAs, they will put her on Anne Hatchard. Um, because I don't, I know Anne Hatchard's like in a, you know an endurance beast, but part of what you're actually doing it for is to to stop a, a bit of her kind of stoppage game as well. Yeah, yeah. And also she she gets a lot of her possessions as this kind of secondary spread player from a stoppage. So part of it is like pushing her off her running lanes and then stopping her, allowing her to kind of get to that next spot after. You know, a Marinoff has flicked it out, or a Tia Charlton, or a Ponta, because it was Ponta and Hatchard that were working really well together at CBAs against Essendon. Um, I still think that if they're going to bother with Lister in the CBAs, they will go to her. With that, my issue with GWS is just that far out that team cannot decide what it's doing. We finally got the CBA numbers this week. They are ridiculous. If you have a look at this three-game spread they've had. Yeah, who does Liam get more frustrated with, St Kilda or the G- or Giants? Oh no, St Kilda! It's like, <laughs> at least it's the GWS. Like they don't around too much, but yeah, like you know, one week it's um, Jody Hicks in round two is a forty-five percent CBA midfielder. Next week she's she's at zero percent, but she's taking more kick-ins than um, Tani Evans. I can't get my a read on it. The, the problem there though is that I do actually really like Zali Goldsworthy and. Less so Nicola Barr now because of her price. I think she's much closer to fully priced. But Sally Goldsworthy at below 700k, when I'm pretty sure she came into the season a fair bit higher than that. Oh, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting spot to go to if you're really searching for a defender. Sorry, a forward under 700k. If you are running, you know, one of I know that there are a fair few people in the top thousand that are running Lily Postlethwaite as their kind of lowest price player on field. And if you're looking to make multiple fix-ups this week, I really don't mind Postlethwaite as an option. Nor do I mind Christy Stratton. I just think long-term I trust the talent of um, Goldsworthy more. Yeah. Would you be steering clear as well of Hatchard with the potential tag this week and maybe looking at her next week? Uh, I think I'm a little concerned about her tagging. Well, I think they're Gold Coast next week, which is even worse. Yes. Yeah, they're Gold Coast on the Sunday. That is – like of all players – that I think we've seen now that are best placed to tag and Hatchard. And Hatchard. Yeah. Lucy Single's the one. Exactly, yeah. Not not done for size, not done for endurance, not done for speed. 
and like I said it on the pod, but like Lucy Single is not an amazing midfielder per se, but she does enough that she'll punish you. She'll get metres gained if you don't pay attention to her going the other way. Mm. So, and I think that's as well part of the reason why I don't think List is a clamp down tag because I just don't know if she's damaging enough with the ball. But so at the moment I'm trading Lister out. I cannot I, I cannot put myself through another experience <laughs> like the last two weeks, which is a late out and then one of the most difficult to watch games in a long time, just going, well, how are you nowhere near the ball? <laughs> or how are you always the third player to get to the tackle? Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, moving then on to the next game, we've got Carlton and Richmond, which I, I reckon this is the most impactful player name for the week. And that's for Carlton. So, Jen Lawson Tavern is out, but Karen Peterson is in and has named, been named at halfback. Then for Richmond, Jess Hosking out, Sarah Darcy injured, and in are Stella Reed and Poppy Kelly. Now, the Peterson news, it's the fact that she's named at halfback that really kills everybody, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, I, again, I, I think it's a little bit like we have seen um, team sheets especially you know, for where it's like people named everywhere and that's my, maybe not where they play. Like, um, like hasn't, uh, like, is it Keely Skep? Hasn't she been playing more forward um, of late? And she's yes. named it full back. Like, uh, she's named it full back, so, yes. That, to that degree, I think you're just flipping Amelia Villado and Yeah, yeah. Up. So the fat piece, because she is a defender, she's been named the back line. It's a, a little bit concerning, but I still think that she'll play – Probably, you, I still think she'll play a wing. Yeah, like wingish, maybe going to some CBAs every now and again. Sort of, I, I still, I'm, I'm holding Cordner personally for one more week to see how she goes. Cause I still think she can make a little bit of cash uh, just based on I don't know what a break even is exactly, but I feel like I want to hold her for one week because we know that she can score one. If she scores poorly, I guess I don't know if there's gonna be too many people moving her on. Whereas I guess if you move her on, it could be a bit of a pod play that could actually work for you. So are you moving on? Harriet Corner this week, or it would be a play that I would absolutely be doing if I didn't have Lister in my side still. Yeah, that's my issue. Yeah, like if I didn't have Annalise Lister, like Harriet Corner would be someone on the chopping block, and it's also made worse by the fact that Richmond are the hardest team for defenders to score against. Um, in just in terms of like looking at the matchup she'll get, I'm really concerned by the idea that. Because Jen Lawson Tavern is out, she is going to have to run around after Katie Brennan all day. Yeah, and that is not a high scoring. So win. if that is, that is the issue, if people out there probably got the decision of maybe going Cordner to a a Daisy Darcy, Emma Khan, if they didn't have a Isla Sheeran, Tani Evans, someone in defence, or going a Britt Benici or Bree Davy to like a, a row bottom, Prasparkas, Hatchard, Marinoff, someone in that sort of area, are you? What way would you be going? So I think that's probably what people may be going to be deciding between. Yeah, I think I think getting off Cordner because she is one hundred percent owned is probably the more important thing this week. Because I also don't think that if you've got a Davy and a Benici, I don't think they've got a bad matchup this week. Yeah, St Kilda's. I uh, think they'll go both okay. I think. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about it later, but I, I think even if D- Davy plays forward, we saw her do it last week when she was getting tagged, like when she was you know getting tagged and was had, had done nothing to half time. She spent a whole bunch more time up forward and still made her way 
to you know the second highest yeah. score. On as, the as as Will said, playing forward and getting tagged for an ADA, and she's a second highest score on the ground. If that's a, a sort of a down a down game, a low scoring game for her, then what's what's she going to do this week? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's one where I think it is coordinate out. If you do have the ability to do that, you know, she's still got a break even of sixty. Now she's priced at sixty nine and a half and has an average of seventy two and a half, basically. So still a little bit of value there. I just don't know if that ninety that she had against North Melbourne is there again. Um, you know, I think if you're holding her, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a sixty. Yeah, that's, it's that's on the same, kind yeah. of what I'm hoping for. But I also think that, yeah, it could go really poorly. I'm really just hoping that Carlton decide they need to, to go into ball control mode and start to chip it around down back. And hopefully what Peterson will do down there will be kick it to Cordon and Moore. But I, I'm, that is some uh, wishful thinking on my end, <laughs> more than it is a prediction. Now, in terms of uh, Richmond's team... I really don't think there are that many differences this week. I note, though, that Charlie Wicksteed, who was a 300k player who came in last week, has held her spot in the side. So it's been named on a wing. And off the top of my head, I also think she got a few CBAs as well. If you're looking for someone who has now shown they've got a little bit of job security by getting picked for a second week but hasn't moved out of range, I don't think she's a bad option because I'm pretty sure she's at below 320k. Yeah, so I'm just... Yeah, she's at 314. Yeah. And actually looked okay and had only two-thirds time on ground, but laid a few tackles, and that score is still impacted as well by a couple of uh, free kicks against. So if you're looking for someone who's overage, so she's 21, but has shown uh, the fact that she'll actually... She's held her role for an extra week. Um, I don't think that's a bad play, particularly because Ellie McKenzie doesn't look like she's coming back in anytime soon. Yeah. Well, at least the, the indication it's two to four weeks still. So probably a little bit of job security there. Now, another player for Marrera's Magic, if you're really looking for someone who is very cheap at the moment, Sarah Hosking is ludicrously cheap um, and is only averaging in the 30s. But I think she's going to get a bunch more midfield time given the outs for Richmond. So that's just a name that I'm just throwing out there if you're really going to take a stab at something. But outside of that, I don't think Richmond is overly interesting. I'm not suggesting that people should uh, bring in Mon Conti because I still just don't believe long term that she's a she's a high scorer. I, I, she's one of those again people that what, listen to the the men's podcast. She's that she's a better real life player, and we know how good she is than a fantasy player. Like uh, very much like a. It's a little bit similar to like your LDUs, your, your Chad Warners, guys like that that are, are very, very good uh, midfielders in the comp. And I think Mon Conti is in the upper echelon in midfielders compared to, I guess, like a Chad Warner and that because they're probably like a, just a little bit below. But I just think, yeah, she's not. I think I think Chad Warner is a great comparison because yeah. she can go missing at times and then other times just moves in a way that's completely different. And she's extremely damaging on the scoreboard now. Do I think it's because Richmond are looking to funnel her the ball? Absolutely. But she's a nice kick. She does, like, mark the ball well in the forward 50. And she's an incredible burst player. Can put together some, you know, 
30 second patches where she scores a lot of points and gets a lot of touches. But yeah, I, I think for fantasy long term, she does go missing every now and then, which puts a cap on her ceiling. Yeah. And also doesn't tackle enough. Yeah. I think it's the main thing. If you look at if you look um, at all the big midfielders, Garner, Bowers, Marinoff, like the, the Sparkus, Robon, they're all heavy tacklers. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way you, you really kind of show yourself to be a level above in the fantasy game. Now, moving along then to Port Adelaide and Geelong. Got another impactful in this week. It's not for Port Adelaide with Maddie Kerrick. Uh, and Maggie McLaughlin has been omitted. And then the big name that's in is Beck Webster for Geelong, and Brooke Plummer has also been named, and Crockett Grills and Liv Fuller has been omitted. Beck Webster was the player that I was dreading coming in. What I'm really – I cannot believe the football gods have done this. There was three players uh, who were out to start the season that could really impact the the formation of my fantasy team – and they were um, Karen Peterson, uh, Beck Webster, and Jenna Bruton. And they've all come back in the same week, <laughs> which is just cruel and unusual punishment, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who, who, who weren't playing or watching as much last year, Beck Webster is an inside CBA midfielder. And quite often, the player that gets pushed out as, as a result is a very relevant name in the higher-ranked teams in Nina Morrison. Now, thankfully, it's a good matchup this week with Port Adelaide, uh, who are relatively easy to score against off the top of my head. I'll just pull up uh, Jaden's scale of hardness. Yeah, they're a, a light green team. Uh, but unfortunately, it does mean that the CBA run of Nina Morrison is no longer guaranteed. Now, I know that I've got bigger problems. And I think almost all teams in the top 5,000 have Harriet coordinate issues, uh, both with matchup and then the returning players this week. What are you thinking? Like, how, what, how long do you reckon the leash is for, for Nina in your side this now that Webster is back? Would you be going super early and getting her out now and, and sidewaysing to a, a unique kind of premium, like a too good or a tiger? Or are you just seeing what this role looks like? Well, I've I've actually looked at, yeah, potentially moving this week um, because, because well, my forward line, I've got no – I haven't got Apostle Sway or anyone like that on the field. I've got uh, Morrison, Phillips, Malloy, Gardner and Roberts. So I've, I've, yeah, I got the same. I've half considered going down from a Morrison to a Goldsworthy, pocketing in, and that's instead of going a Benici to a Ty Smith in the midfield and using that cash then to go like a Benici up to a Roy Bottle Prospice and then going uh, Lister up to a to a better defender. Like that's something I've, I've looked at. Um, I think the Port Adelaide matchup is what makes it tricky because I think even without the CBAs, I think that she could still score pretty well against Port. Uh, I still think she'll have a few CBOs. She might be 20%, maybe 15%, but obviously, as you said, she's not going to be that sort of like sort of half and half or more uh, more CBA. So, um, well, she's, she was 100% last week. Yeah. She's averaging over two-thirds this season yeah, so it's, and has scored, you know, 97, 86, and 99. Um, I think it's it, – like, I, I think it's a, a – Bold, bold play to go early. I think it is the fact that it's a good matchup this week that makes it a little bit easier. Now, Geelong's matchup next week off the top of my head isn't great. Yeah, they got Melbourne next week. So you so could do it next week. Yeah, I think that would be that's probably the way you need to be thinking. And you know, 
I think at that point, we'll probably get some indication of what the kind of price cycle is going to do now that we'll get a better indication on like a full cycle of, of players. You might be able to find some slightly underpriced targets in the defence. So I don't hate – like I think you probably need to be considering a world where you're trading out Nina next week. It's just a question of up or down yeah. based on kind of how many premium midfielders you've got, which is kind of – all of these ins are informing the reason why I'm I'm hesitant to go with a with a Ty Smith into my midfield option because I'd be concerned I'd get stuck with it for too long. Yeah, with potential role changes in coming with with players coming back. So I've pivoted my trade slightly in my current trade plans, but not necessarily set in stone. In terms of Port Adelaide, I don't think there's been too many changes this week. I think. All owners would love to see a better performance from Erin uh, Phillips because she, you know, got, eked her way to a 70, put together a goal and then a, a couple of kicks and a, and a tackle in the fourth quarter to really put together a tidy score after having had some very quiet moments. I know we've just talked about Nina Morrison out, but how how long do you reckon you're holding Erin Phillips for? Do you think she's got that 90 you know that we saw in round one, or is she a you know on a limited lease? I'm not. I, I'm still a little bit bullish on on Erin Phillips. Like last week, she still had the the 20 disposals. It was just the one mark for her that was that was missing, and we know that she can rack up those marks um, when it's going well. And I don't think Geelong are going to necessarily tag and Aaron Phillips. They normally go head-to-head with, with the midfields they come up against. So I think Aaron Phillips could get back to, to a decent score this week. And So she's got Geelong this week, but I think after she's a decent – she's got West Coast the week West after. Coast. Then she's got um, Sydney, and then they've got North Melbourne is the, probably the tough one. So for at least the next three weeks, I think she's still a hold for the time being. I, I think I'd be – I'd almost, almost be more concerned – Potentially next week about uh, Nina Morrison over Phillips. Uh, if we, if we sort of what we're projecting with Becky Webster back um, could cre- uh, create. Yep. So, I would I would be suggesting that kind of all Nina Morrison holders don't just scoreboard watch this week. I think it's definitely going to be necessary to actually watch that game to see where Nina and Beck Webster are both playing, and just maybe double checking. Don't don't kind of be thinking, oh, you know. Nina scored more points, therefore she's fine. I'd expect coming off a hamstring. I don't know if Webster's going to have the biggest game. But, yeah, it's an interesting little conundrum. I agree with you as well. I think Phillips' run coming up is part of the reason why, even after a bad round two performance, I was willing to hold and say no. Like I'll, She kept the CBA role, and I think she's got a great run coming up after this yeah. week. So it's a hold for me, but I don't know if it's going to be an easy watch. So moving along to Sunday's games. Now, in terms of the ins for, we've got Sydney and West Coast. The ins for Sydney, uh, Lauren Zaghetti has been named on the ground. And then on an extended bench, they've named Paige Shepard, Jade Anthony, Alana Woodward, and Eliza Vale. And then outs are Montana Berenson and Montana Ham. In terms of what we've got from West Coast, surprisingly, Sinead Davison back in. And then on an extended bench, you've got um, Abigail Bushby, uh, Sarah Lakai, and Mackenzie Webb. And then out is uh, Emily Elkington, who was knocked out by Jen Lawson Tavern. Uh, and that's why Jen is out for two weeks. So in terms of what has changed with these teams, frustrating for all people that had uh, Sinead Davison 
and have traded her out last week. And I'm sure would have loved a you know a nice little one week red dot hold so that she could start generating cash again. Outside of that, I don't think any of the ins and outs this week really do impact West Coast and Sydney. I think outside of that, I think the, the my biggest question is if you're an Emma Swanson holder, are you concerned that Tanya Kennedy, the Swiss Army knife, might get thrown in as a tagger this week. Yeah, that's, yeah that, I, I'm that's a little bit concerned there because Tanya Kennedy has been named on the ball and uh, fair enough next to uh, uh, Swanson on the on the team sheet. So it is a bit concerning um, that, that that could happen. Um, it, with Zagetti coming back, does do they maybe roll Gardner, Malloy and, and um, uh, Zagetti in there or do they go more for Kennedy to tag Swanson? So going to be an interesting watch um, with that midfield mix. But the other one that from Sydney that is sort of a big watch is for anyone that's got Ali Morfitt out there, if if uh, uh, Lakai's not named, Morfitt could go bananas this week. Yes. Well, I actually think that, unfortunately, uh, for Morfitt owners, great pick, like elite stuff. I know Dossie did, and he was crowing very early about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Unfortunately... Matilda Schultz has kind of really dulled the impact of, of kind of going the rookie ruck strategy because as good as Morford is, uh, to, for Schultz to have been that cheap and going that well, still average that much, it really has helped. And even this week with the like cushy as ever West Coast Eagles ruck matchup, really like men's, like women's teams. Uh, unfortunately, Matilda Schultz. Unfortunately for Morford owners, Matilda Schultz has another extremely <laughs> easy matchup with Aaron Hall. Yeah, and who have dropped. Live yeah, and like looking looking at here, like who would have thought star of the year that Matilda Schultz would be averaging more than Bree Moody, Alice Edmonds, Gabby Seymour, uh, Talia Hickey? Like, it's, <laughs> not, I don't think any of us would have said that she would have gone this well. So she's been. I know, as you said, but if you do have Morford though, this could be a week where she puts up a, a, a big, big ceiling score. If Lakai is, is not yes. named. I don't think Lakai is gonna get named. It sounded like they were trying to get her up for injury and I don't I wouldn't be I would be very surprised if she does play. Even then it's still an easy matchup if Lakai does play. But I also think Matilda Schultz may actually outscore Ali Morford this week. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, that could happen. Um and then I guess any time we talk about Sydney, uh, there's one player that's always gonna be brought up. It's got to, we always gotta bring up Laura Gardner in some some uh, capacity and and so the question with her is this week is that I think a few people now are rolling around with a few red dots um, around the place and the fact that Kiara Bowers plays after Laura Gardner and a lot of people have got um, actually no Murphy actually plays the same time as, um, as yeah this is this is a big problem but if if someone's got a red dot from Gold Coast Bulldogs Collingwood St Kilda um, Essen or Frio is there a play you could put. Laura Gardner VC, or if you don't have a uh, loophole, could you put a captain? Uh, so I think she's absolutely a player as a VC. She's absolutely a player as a VC to the point where I'm, there's part of me that goes, you know, Ariana Heritherington, Alana G, take the week off. <laughs> Just take a spell this week. Come back next week nice and refreshed. Um, Allow me to use you as my VC option because at the moment, yeah, I'm kind of stuck because I'm looking to trade out Lily Postlethwaite, who plays at the same time, and I don't currently have any red dots. Yeah, which means that I would I'd have to make the call beforehand 
to trade in a red dot from a player who plays after. And I'd ideally like to be picking a red dot that I actually think would play at some point this year. And there's not a large number of options. Yeah, Hetherington, uh, sorry, not Hetherington, Huntington was a good option early. Um, but now it's yeah. like there's not one that's probably going to play. So you have to bring in someone that you're banking on, they're probably not going to play. Yeah, like I could probably do a little bit more searching. Uh, and I also want it to be, you know, I have also have, for me, it's got to be a forward. And then you add in, like, oh, I prefer them to be playing, you know, more games on Sundays. And it just becomes very difficult to actually find someone that ticks all the boxes. Yeah. But I'm probably going to do a little bit more research on that one. And, and maybe I do find someone that I can trade in because, yeah, I, I think the, the concept of a player who has a 15% market share going up against Huge. one of the easiest teams to score against who does not have someone who can run with her sufficiently is ridiculous. We're, 151 against Brisbane is possibly one of the most ridiculous fantasy feats of all time. Yeah, I don't know if you've done your captain's uh, article or if you're um, doing that this week, but if uh, you're not, where would Gardner be placed in your sort of top 10? Is she top five? She's in, top, she's in my top five. In my draft that I've got at the moment, my little skeleton, she's inside the top five. Ooh. Yeah. It's, uh, it could be a large one this week. Yeah. Now, I think that's it for Sydney and West Coast. Moving along to North Melbourne and Brisbane. So North Melbourne have named on an extended bench, I believe. Yeah, all of them on an extended bench. Uh, they've named Jenna Bruton, Kate Sheilor, Lucy Burke, and Liz McGrath. And they've named, they've omitted Eilish Considine. So she's got one game and then been kicked to the side. Now, Brisbane have named on an extended bench, uh, Caitlin Wendland, Ella Smith, Kiara Hillier, and interestingly enough, Taylor Smith has also been named, even though she's come in under a bit of an injury cloud. And out, they've got Dakota Davidson suspended. Now, this is probably going to be, well, I'd say probably, it is, pro- it is going to be the game of the week. Yep. It's unfortunately going to be going up against a game where I'm not sure many people will be watching it for the actual game, but the fantasy heads will all be wanting to watch Sydney and West Coast. But Kangaroos and Brisbane, and then it's going to be the Clash of the Titans this week with Cathy Svav going up head-to-head against Jazz Garner. But the other thing we've got to talk about is Jenna Bruton has been named on an extended bench. I'm expecting her to play. If you're a Riddell holder, like I am, do you have many thoughts about holding Riddell this week with what is a terrible matchup for scoring and then also the return of another inside CBA midfielder. Yes, yeah, it's, it, it, it's it, if, if Calvin was here, we'd be getting him to do his uh, the, the alarm sound because the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, there's a makeshift one. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, not actually, do I? Uh, 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 oh, hang on. There you go, there's the, there's the soundboard. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is a worry. Uh, I'm just having a look. So, but the funny thing is that if any if anyone sort of looks into past games against the same opposition, which I think it's a little bit less relevant in the AFLW, but Ash Riddell has been the top scorer in the last two games against Brisbane. So last uh, in the two games last year. So um, in uh, was it two? No, sorry, the two seasons from 2022. Uh, in see, this first season from last year. 
She scored 117 in the meeting and they got beaten um, pretty. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Badly by 36 points. And the closer game, she top scored with 93. So, uh, I, interesting. I don't know. I that, hadn't actually looked. I hadn't actually looked at that. But here's, I, I didn't have to look at that stat to still know that the reason I am concerned is the fact that Laura Gardner scored 151. Incredible. What interests me this week more is the fact that it came when they hard tagged Malloy. Yeah. So wherever Malloy went, any any you know anywhere up the ground someone was hard running with her and then at every stoppage Kathy Spark was bodying her now that probably freed up to some degree Gardner to score big because she wasn't getting any attention she was just running wherever she liked and to, I think that's also probably because Brisbane knew they didn't have to put that much pressure on to still win a game very comfortably I'm still concerned by how restrictive Brisbane can be to midfielders overall, but it would have actually probably been easier for me this week if Gardner hadn't gone big because now I'm 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 tossing up my trades because I'd always thought that you know this matchup, particularly if Bruton's back, would be the time to jump off. Yeah. It's the fact that Gardner and Riddell sort of they do have that sort of similar way. They can pop up for those marks, they can get those those tackles, um, especially if you're not doing what Riddell was doing. So last week, we're just sort of trying to play that sort of in front of the stoppage of um, Georgia Prasparkas. So the, Garner, uh, Garner being tagged is, is going to free up Riddell. But as you said, Bruton being named, I, I think it's still probably safer to jump off because she's so unique. She's most unique as sort of any of those pre-mids. I think she's about that 6%. And she, as you said, She's done what she needs us to and probably better. We probably weren't expecting her to go 150 um, that early on. And she was averaging, what was it, 120 on the first two weeks, 105, 151. So then she got the 79 last week. But again, that could that have been bigger? If she, would that have been better if it wasn't for that uh, sort of stoppage, sort of weird stuff going on? So was is that a better score in another game? Like So many question marks. Yeah, it, it really is a lot of question marks. I, I still think I'm going to trade her out this week just because I'm I'm a little concerned and, and I can sideways her effectively to uh, another premium midfielder. So I could I can sideways, and, and currently what I'm looking at doing is sidewaysing her to, to Robottom because mm. I, you know, I think Robottom long-term has a more sustainable route to scoring. But I'm also in the back of my mind thinking, well, Robottom had two amazing games to start the season. As it turns out, she probably did it against the two easiest teams. Because she hit Carlton and West Coast. Yeah. For a 140 and a 120. So, yeah, many conundrums this week. And I've, I've still got, you know, 24 hours before I need to make my first trade, first lockout. And the moment I've got Riddell out, just because I do think that the return of Bruton and then also this matchup overall is pretty alarming to me. But overall, though, I actually think the Kangaroos are going to win this game. I think uh, so, yeah. I, uh, I think that Davidson out after they've lost Wardlaw and they've lost Bodie and Taylor. And Emily Bates. Not healthy. And Bates. Oh, I was just thinking like yeah, yeah, players. Yeah. But yeah, that's fair. That's a fair enough point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't think they've got the firepower to hang with them this year. But yes, that, that game is going to give me some uh, sleepless nights. Moving along then to Essendon at Fremantle at Windy Hill. 
Now, the Bombers have a couple of outs. They've named out Daria Bannister, who was concussed, and then Leah Cutting has been omitted. So that was one. It was a one-week play for, for the Ruck matchup. And then in, uh, Joanne Doonan. Uh, now, yes, I think these are all on extended bench. Joanne Doonan, Ale- um, yeah, Alex Morgan. Yep. Uh, yeah, Alex Morecambe, Danny Marshall, and Alana Barber. Yeah, they're all on the bench. They're all on the extended bench. Now, Fremantle, uh, they have no outs, and their ins are Pip Seth. Uh, whatever else. Uh, who is Neald? I actually I don't know their first name. Uh, Nikki. Nikki. Nikki, Nikki Neald. Nikki Neald and Michaela Tuhakarena. Uh, and they've all been named on an extended oh, bench. Uh, uh, so Seth has oh, no, been sorry, named on the wing. Seth has been named on the wing. All right. So in terms of the impacts of those ins and outs, I don't think there's that much to really discuss here. Uh, I do think it's interesting that uh, the Bombers have named Steph Kane on the wing and Jack Vott in the midfield because I have a feeling they're a bit concerned about their size inside. Uh, particularly going up against the tackle matchup this week. Now, what do we think Turbo does? Well, what's your prediction for Kiara Bowser's score? Um, well, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, ste- I'm not gonna say stealing out. I'm gonna sort of, I'm gonna uh, sort of uh, shout out to Mel, obviously, uh, on from the free kick. Obviously, back to Bowser's. Uh, I think it's gonna be bounce back to Bowser's. I know that she wasn't terrible last week, but. 104 was is not, and then only eight tackles is not really what we're sort of accustomed to seeing with with Kara Bowers. I, you mentioned at the pod, smaller ground, Essendon are not going to be like Hawthorne where they're going to be second to the ball. The Bombers, I think, are going to it's going to be a lot more even. If not, Bombers are going to try and get first the ball. I think so. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for Bowers to get tackles. Uh, she got her touches last week, a lot more clearances as you mentioned as well. I, I think this could be a this could be a big bounce back. Um, week. I, th- I don't. It'd be good if uh, Jaden could get it up. I'd love to know what Bowers does. Take it, removing the start of last year because it was sort of affected by limited preseason with uh, the whole COVID stuff. But it'd be interesting to see what Bowers does when she has single digit tackles. What she does the following week and what her score is because I'd I'd say that they're probably pretty big the next week. Yeah. At- I can pull that up now. I think the thing that I'm taking most comfort from is that in the Bombers' first three games, we've seen uh, Batesy and Tamara Smith had double-digit tackles. Off the top of my head, I think the best tackling performance of the year so far for Tiana Smith. And then last week they had Noffy had 15, 15 had nine, yeah. Yeah, so and they both went over one twenty. Tells you like the Bombers are an easy team to score against if you like to tackle because they're actually for a for an expansion side. They've got a very competent set of inside midfielders, yeah. all who are fully capable of going and getting the ball themselves. They're not small. They're not going to get completely blown off the ball. Yeah, and G Nance Gorn and Maddie Presparkas are, I'd say, up there for at the moment for the most tackled. Some of the most tackled players. Yeah, so. So just having a look at Bowers, last time she had single-digit tackles. So setting aside last season, going to have to go back a little bit. Um, not off an injury. Uh, so oh, she had a 92 and then she came back with 111. Okay. So that's not a massive input. But 
I don't even think it's necessarily that she had a bad score last week. I expected to improve. I just think that that game was weird. Yeah, it was a, as you said, a very odd game. It was hot. It was just, uh, as you said, Freya went to the ball first lot of the time. Um, it's it sort of, it was, there wasn't as many stoppages and sort of places for sort of Bowers to sort of get going. There's a lot of like sort of switching like from one side. Freya was sort of going from like they'd mark or intercept in the back pocket. They then switch it and it would just sort of completely miss Bowers and they'd go like and they'd use like a, a Craig or or someone like that to sort of bounce along the wing. So I expect to be a different game this week. Yeah, and. Having now actually gone to that game live at Windy Hill, it is very small. So I do expect it to be quite contested as a result. And, yeah, for all those coaches like myself, and I think, yeah, you said you jumped on Bowers last week, and a lot of other people did. Those people that uh, didn't jump on her and probably maybe might not go this week, they might go for Ghana looking at the, the scores. I think that the people that got Bowers are going to be rewarded this week. I'm very much hoping that's the case. And if you ask me if I'm my best case scenario, or my most likely scenario, I think it's at... It's back to what we saw at the very least against Collingwood with a one thirty. Yeah. I think that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of, you know, stealing myself for. But obviously, I'd, I'd love a little bit more than that given what I paid for her. <laughs> in terms of other players in this game, I don't necessarily think there's that much going on. Um, I, in terms of what having Essendon, I, I expect Joanne Doonan to be the replacement for Daria Bannister, but hasn't got a great ceiling to her scoring. Fremantle are a very easy matchup, I think, across most lines to score against. Uh, yes, unless you're a ruck, so don't pick Steph Wales. But if you've got Bombers this week, it's probably uh, a good week. Uh, I know that uh, at the moment I was trading out Paige Scott in Marrera's Magic, but I'm potentially reconsidering that on second thoughts, given that it's a plus six matchup against for Fremantle for forwards. Um, all right, moving then along to St Kilda and Collingwood. So for the St Kilda Saints, they've got Renee Salitis omitted and then Janome Anderson concussed. Um, you must have uh, had some moments there, Bales, thinking, oh, I've, I've been here when she's concussed on 13. Yeah. You know, you're hoping that no one made the, the same error. Yeah, Yeah, hopefully no one did. And so in, they've got Ella Friend, uh, Caitlin Matthews, uh, Alice Burke, Erin McKinnon, and Rosie Dillon. Now, Collingwood have no outs. However, one of their ins is very interesting. So they've got Charlotte Blair in, and they've got uh, Joanna Lynn has been named in the side as well. They've been named no one out. Interestingly enough, we have our first uh, player, train-on player, who's been named in a squad for a Sunday game. Jessica Bates, who... Is uh, I think she won the Sandful Best and Fairest two years in a row, W, and then was robbed of the VFLW Best and Fairest player at Collingwood. Collingwood have so many injuries that when it comes to naming a full 24, they don't have enough healthy people. So... That should give you some sense mm. of Collingwood's issues at the moment and why is that we might be saying than others. Four matchups overall this week. I think the kind of the, there's some very relevant midfielders in this game that are kind of all occupying that M4 through M4 and M5 space because we've got Benici, Davy, and then also Tiana Smith. 
interestingly enough, and this is something that I've seen people talking about on Twitter and, and on Discord, which is what are we going to do about the fact that Bree Davies being named at half forward? Yeah, I, I know I have some thoughts, but Bales, I'll give you the floor first. Does it give you any cause for concern? Not, not really. Um, Bree Davies is uh, she's captain. Um, she's. They've named uh, Sheridan, Michaela Cairn, and Benny John Ball. I expect Bree David to probably be there instead of maybe a Sheridan or a Cairn for the for, for like the CBAs. And yeah, she will spend a little bit of time forward, but I'm not concerned personally um, of her playing forward. I think a few people are probably looking at last week and going, she played a lot of time forward, not many CBAs. But I think that was again a little bit like Swanson the week before, where I think that they're trying to escape the Lucy single tag, and they thought we'll try and put her forward um, in. In parts, and I think she moved back more into the midfield in the last quarter. And I think that that was uh, Bree Davies' best quarter. I think she had. I'm just pulling it up. Exactly what she scored in the last quarter. She had. Oh, she just had the 25 points. Um, so and then she had 26 in the third quarter. So she had a decent second half. So I, I don't know. Yeah. So obviously, be interesting to see what you think. But I'm not too concerned personally. No, I'm not too concerned either. It's just an unfortunate situation where I've got. I I really do want to upgrade it and bring in kind of a top five premium uh, into my midfield so that I can round out having, I've got Marinoff and I've got Kiara Bowers. I'd really like a third kind of entrenched top fiver. And then I've got three players where they've got little flags for all of them and then reasons to like all of them. So I've got Benici, Riddell and Davey. I'm not, I don't think that Davey being named at half forward is the problem. I think the bigger problem is I also think there's a world where she not only plays forward to break a tag there, she plays forward because I don't know if you watched that game for Collingwood last week, but they sucked inside forward 50. They could not hit a target and they were terrible kicking for goal. So there is part of me that just thinks has some cause for concern that they might throw the magnets around a little bit and actually just use Bree Davies as a bit more of a marking target in the hopes that it can ignite something for a, for a team that's lost two games uh, and didn't look amazing against Gold Coast and then had a good half against Melbourne and then got absolutely steamrolled. That is my – it's my word of warning. I'm probably going to hold her, but you you know, for people that are also in, in the same position as me and considering trading her out and you do hold, you, you were warned. Yeah. Well, what, what, what about Benici? Because uh... – a lot of people are saying uh, if you're trading one, who are you trading? And, and that's probably a lot one of the common questions for the week. And if you look at like a Brit Benici, so she had a quiet first quarter last week, only having the six points, but she had a 30-point second quarter, a 41-point um, third quarter, then again a bit of a quiet last quarter, just the 14 points. And that's been a bit what she's done this year. It's been probably two good quarters, a couple of bad sort of quieter quarters. Is she one that you trade at before, Brie Day, probably with the ceiling and probably still slightly working our way back to sort of playing four quarters at full tilt, or where are you leaning? I think this is I think this is one where it is just a, a little bit what your team look likes and what what you could have upgrade Benici to, because I I do think that they do they sit in just slightly different price brackets, and I think the fact that Britt Benici is a little cheaper and her consistency and the fact that I just don't believe she's going to be tagged really does. De-risk her somewhat. Yeah, she can put together a really nice score out basically in season six for those kind of first seven games. If you kind of get rid of the injured score that she had, she was a nineties player, and, and in 
you know, today's money with the extended games, that's basically 100. I think we're seeing her round back into form. But I do think there is some point to make that she doesn't have the same ceiling that Davy does. Now, I just don't know. first first half because that was truly a ridiculous performance and we haven't really seen that since then in the kind of two and a half games since we haven't seen her just truly tear a game apart and be you know score of whatever it was what is it like yeah I'm just just pulling it up she she had 38 in the first quarter against Melbourne and 46 so 88 point uh, what's that yeah so what's that uh quick mass there 78 84 in the first half against Melbourne 84 points 84 points in that first half she looked like she was on track for you know an all-time score I think that yeah there's a there's a world where we probably don't see that ceiling again versus a Brit Benich in both Six and five had scores above 120, and, and then she's also had a 133, funnily enough, against St Kilda in season six. And I think the big thing for her is that I, I really just don't think we're going to see a, a stinker score. Yeah. Even So she has a five-game run, basically, you know, one of her best five-game runs in the middle of season, uh, season six. She goes 133, 89, 87. 75, 107 for an average of 102.7. Yeah, so it's just the so, one big score there. There's one huge score, and then it, there's just no, like, real floor scores either. I, I feel like, yeah, she's she's and one it, that it, you trade, if you trade. She's going to be a little bit similar to when my thinking of training Swanson last week. I don't think, again, she can. She's a good player. Of course she can. But I don't know if she's going to necessarily go 140 and you trade her out, like, it's, or it's not as no. likely anyway, compared to like maybe a, a Bree Davy or like a Kate Hall, like I bloody did a couple of weeks ago, where they go. Yeah, well, we didn't know Kate Seal, Kate Hall had that ceiling. Yeah, I didn't think she had an eighty-four point quarter ceiling either. No, well, yeah, <laughs> that that will forever pain me. That that first quarter was some of the most difficult watching footy I've ever had. To I didn't do. watch it. Deliberately. And uh, on to on to slightly less painful uh, footy to watch. We've got our final game of the week. We've got Gold Coast and the Western Bulldogs. So let me just pull up the ins and outs. So Gold Coast have named in Ella Mora, Giselle Davis, and Viv Saad. And then the Western Bulldogs have named out Daisy Bateman, Millie Brown, and Bailey Hunt. Now, in terms of this game, we've got the Western Bulldogs who, I know it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, we had the joke on the pod last season that they're the least relevant fantasy side. And then, as it turns out, Alice Edmonds with the pick of the year. Now, this version of the side, do we think that there's that many relevant names? Because I know that Maggie Gorham is someone that probably people are going to pick this week. I think she's got the lowest projected break-even. But in terms of, like, premium or even mid-prices, I can't – I'm not that sold on any nah, in the Western Bulldogs. No, nah, because when you look, at, you look at the ones that people would probably go to, you look at Ellie Blackburn, I think she's – Again, she's a very, very good player. It reminds me a little bit of a Monconti where she'll have big gains, but she'll also have gains where she does go missing a little bit and will get some attention from, from opposition players. We've seen Alice Edmonds is, has had a bit of a – she had a great uh, week one and that first half against Geelong was huge. But sort of since probably sort of that third – from that third quarter onward, she's been quite quiet in the last few weeks. So I don't know if you're going her just yet. And then um, 
and that's listen, and then Katie Lynch. Like we've we've said before it's that just, we're just yeah. like, can you trust Katie Lynch? Like you just, I don't know if you can. Can you? Uh, I well, I, I don't can't. Think you can but uh, in terms of just trying to pull up. So yeah, I'm just trying to see whether or not there's anyone else on the injury list that might come back to help. Uh, uh, Katie Lynch, because I, I really do think that it just takes another uh, premium, like key defender, basically. Okay, if Millie Brown is the person. So if Millie Brown is back and playing right, as, a, as a key defender, as a, maybe Katie Lynch gets freed up a little bit. And Gold Coast are a very, very good matchup for defenders. So for those of you who, again, like to not sleep that well at night, I think there is a world where you can make an argument for Katie Lynch, particularly now that she has come down a bunch of cash. So she's down a hundred and basically one hundred and twenty-five k price at seven hundred and ten thousand, which, to put it into context, is in a range of defenders where you know, I think she's probably the the highest potential scorer of them. She's probably got the biggest ceiling because she sits between Amy Smith. And Charlie Thomas and Ellie Head, Ella Heads, Jody Hicks and Jordy Allen. So a very relevant section of names there. I just think that she has the potential to score 30 again. I, th- I think if you're going Lister to Lynch, I don't see an issue with that because you're probably, at worst case, you're probably going to get the same score. But we, I think you've probably got more trust in Lynch than what you would with an Annalise Lister based on obviously what you saw last week and, and the laid out. So I think if you do that, I think it's fair enough. But... I don't know if I'd be going. Yeah, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't would be going a coordinator to Lynch. I wouldn't be doing that. No, and I would even then say I would be taking if you haven't got Heads and Thomas, maybe then you can make the argument yeah. for Lynch. But I would say I'd prefer Heads or Thomas over Lynch because I think I'd they all have Thomas quite out of those three for picking. Yeah, I, I, no, that's kind of where I'm looking at the moment. I'm looking Lister up to Thomas. I didn't start with Thomas, but she's now come down a fair bunch of cash. I still think she's going to take all the kick-ins. And I think, yeah, she's she's got that value in her, and I see her being at or around top five. But, you know, if you really want to take an out-there pick, I, I can't hate completely the idea of Katie Lynch because she's just got such a big ceiling. Yeah. So in terms of the Gold Coast Suns, we've already talked about Daisy Darcy is being a potential in. I still think she's a really great option. She's actually one of the more traded players in this week, uh, which is desperately disappointing that I now can't also join that train. It, it also is disappointing because I was really hoping to that it would kind of ruin Will's mood a bit that I was trading in one of his unique players. Um, are you are you looking in that direction as someone to get, kind of get in in the next few weeks, or is this someone where you go, oh, she's probably going to be a bit more too expensive by the time I actually get around to to sidewaysing a, a coordinator, for example? Well, I was looking to talk about the Gold Coast because as it currently stands, she's in for me this week. Um, I'll be at the, Ooh, at the moment. At the moment, I'm going Lister up to Daisy Darcy um, with my trades, which will probably. Actually, no stuff. I'll just also my trades are going to be now just because Ronna. Uh, I'm looking at going a. Britt Benici down to a Ty Smith to sort of get sort of kicks because I've got – I don't have much cash on the bench. I've got Mia Bush, Caitlin Pope, Lily Postlethwaite, Erin Horse. So obviously Postlethwaite's a decent amount now and Erin Horse slightly going up and she's sort of good backup for if anything did happen to, to Schultz there. 
Um, so I want a bit more cash gen. So going Benici down allows me to then go Riddell to uh, – at the moment I'm going Prasparkas over Row Bottom. I don't know if that's – I've been tossing and turning between the two and then I'm going Lister up to Daisy Darcy. Yeah, nice. No, I, I can't I can't hate that. I, I like all the ins. I, I just think that uh, I, I'm challenging my arm a little bit on Prasparkas because I think that the Webster back in – and she is a more pressing need to tag every single week. She will get some form of, you know, stoppage attention. I don't know if we're going to see that 140 again. Yeah. And, and that's the same way that there was such a big announcement from Davey that she was back to full health that every team has gone, all right, well, let's strap on the tagger boots and uh, throw someone in her at the stoppages. Mm. I think Presbarkas has shown now that she's an absolute game breaker. And one of those must-stop players if you're looking to win. And North don't have a tagger, but you could see that at every stoppage, basically after that first quarter, it was like, all right, we really need to put a body on. It's hard to stop her from just tearing us apart. And that did show in the fact she didn't get to that super ceiling score. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough decision I'm looking at. So, Yeah. And then obviously, can't talk about uh, Gold Coast without talking about Lucy Single. She she will probably end up tagging Ellie Blackburn. That will probably mean that Gold Coast win the game because unfortunately Western Bulldogs don't have a large amount of uh, midfield talent to really break the game open if uh, Blackburn has been shut down. So that is going to be unfortunate, but uh, un- not that surprising given the the way their team is constructed at the moment. Now, in terms of players that are named on an extent in this game that are relevant trading targets, they're almost all rookies. So. Maggie Gorham is one name that I've already mentioned. And then Cara McCrossan, who were, played last week, uh, and is sitting on the extended bench. And then I'm pretty sure Ella Mora as well is. Yeah, Ella Mora is a 300k forward also on an extended bench. So there's a few names out there for people to uh, to consider trading into. And then you got your Aurora Smith for the dogs as well. Oh, of course, yes. You've got Aurora Smith too. Uh, and in terms of, I think that might be it for... Basement price players, yeah. Bailey Hunt's 406k. All right. Well, made our way through all the games. Now, there are a bunch of questions uh, in response to the space on Twitter. I'm not going to have a chance. We're not going to have a chance to get through all of them, unfortunately. One here that I – or maybe I'll just combine a few together. Uh, Thoughts on Claudia Gudenjaka and Nat Grider. Um, yeah, well, actually, uh, that's one thing I noticed from the Geelong game last week. Gunjaka was everywhere. Like, she was just sort of racking up. But I, a lot of it was intercepts, and it was a, Geelong was switching the ball a lot as well. Like, they were going from one wing sort of and then getting Crockett Grills involved, but then going to the other wing to get, like, a Michaela Bowen involved. So I think that that got, she caused 71 against the Dogs and an 80 against all of them. She got a 22 against... Um, against Sydney in that middle game. So personally, I'm not going there. I'm, I don't think she's the, the option. She, six, if she was maybe under 500K, there's there's name, but 629, you, you're probably rathering going up 100-odd K. I think I'd even still rather go with Geordie Allen if you're looking at someone there or even going, as we said, Charlotte Thomas, Ella Heads, Katie Lynch. So I wouldn't be going there. Nat Grider, I know you're, you've been a little bit more keener on her. You're sort of just... What I've seen with Nat Grider is, again, she can go missing for big, big portions of the game and in a way does remind me a bit of Katie Lynch, obviously a different player, but just sort of can just pop out a 30 sort of when you're 
you're sort of least expecting it. So I'm not huge on either, but I think you're going Grider out of the two. Yeah, and uh, you, yeah, I think that they both have the capacity to really pop out a, a poor score. I think the reason I prefer Grider is partly because of her run coming up. It's basically all green for the next four weeks, and it's got two of the easiest matchups kind of in weeks three and weeks four of that run. And North Melbourne are also a good game for defenders. And I think as well, Claudia Gujarka had a great game, almost certainly freed up by the fact that she didn't have to play a role on Kate Shield, yeah. who was a late out. So basically, probably game planned all week to play on Shearlaw, rocked up to the ground, and then finds out she's a laid out and goes, well, I'll just do whatever I want now. Yeah, I'll just play roam free. Like, you know, I'm playing now on uh, Ellie Gavalis, for example. I can't even remember, exactly remember who her matchup was. I think, yeah, she's, playing, like, she's playing, playing like Ruby Tripodi at times in Considine. She went to a couple of times. Like she's sort of almost like that sort of doesn't have an opponent, sort of just going to whoever's near me, I'll just go to, to that player and sort of intercept. I'll just yeah. go to them. And, and she's a... She's a former forward, reads the ball really well in the air and has looked good as a defender and I think long-term has some potential as an intercept player. I think it'll be tough to really see those ceiling scores when they do have Captain Meg Mack down there who is also a very capable intercept defender and will pretty constantly put up 50s and 60s. But, uh, yeah, I think it's the it's the fact that Grider is such a, a classy player and we have seen kind of every week improve since she had that really stinky score around one. But importantly, we now realise that it's because that Richmond matchup is really hard for defenders. Yeah. The, the way that they play, the speed, and, and the way they lower their rides going inside 50, it's very hard for defenders to score. And it, by the looks of it, they also play with a pretty high press, which stops a lot of the switching. So I do think I prefer Grider just for the pedigree. Uh, and I also think that if you were forced to hold her for a few weeks, I'd prefer her run yeah, versus great. Geelong, who, yeah, have two reds, two light reds, and then uh, Richmond in three weeks. So, yeah, those are my thoughts there. Uh, now, funnily enough, there are actually two questions about Katie Lynch. It's clearly on people's mind at the moment. Um, okay, here's one for you: uh, Chloe Malloy or Bonnie Too Good. <laughs> Far out. This is a tough one. Um, oh, I, I think Chloe Malloy goes big this week. I think that I'm not reading anything into last week. As we said, Cassie's Vark is one of the, the best taggers in the comp. And as you said, it was probably more – didn't have to tag Malloy, but warming up for, for Jazz Garner this week. So, And the fact that she scored four behinds, if, if they're a couple of goals, that's a 70, and we're not looking at that as a dirty score anymore. So, And she's playing midfield still. So she's great. And then Bonnie Toogood has been sort of one of the players I've been most impressed with this season in just even last week against the Crows, just the way that she was able to get up the ground, get involved with the play, put herself behind the ball. I, I'm I'm honestly the only thing I think splitting it is I think Malloy's cheaper. That's I'm just gonna probably say Malloy just because probably the midfield role's better and she's cheaper, but it's I really like Bonnie. Malloy's cheaper and match up yeah, this week. Yeah, and that's probably why. But I really like Bonnie Toogood as a pod. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, but I am I am on board with Malloy. I, I, for all the reasons you just said, I just think that she's got the potential to be that 85-90 player. And I do think that there's a world where Body Too Good you know, does spend some more time up forward, and we don't see this run continue because this is not something that we've seen from her necessarily before. Yeah. 
this really is a, a big surprise. And I don't know, let's say, for example, the Bombers do run into some bad weather. I don't think she's scoring 109. Yeah, agreed. She might score close to 49. Yeah, because those, those Cause conditions she's just last. not going to be around for the tackles. Those conditions last week in the Adelaide Essendon game were, were perfect. Oh, literally, literally perfect yeah. for like a big forward who has a beautiful set of hands to take some absolutely beautiful marks. Just going to be tough to sustain. If I'm if I'm if I'm going to be really nitpicky, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, all right. Maybe oh, we've maybe go one more a question, and then we'll uh, have a chat about our trades if we've uh, made any changes since we started. But uh, I'm actually going to throw it to Bit in that who puts together the website that I use for a whole bunch of stuff, and it's been a fantastic addition for the game. The question here is, which two to trade in, Robottom and Roberts or Garner and Goldsworthy? So it's Robottom and Roberts, and then uh, Goldsworthy and who? Garner. So Garner. I think it's Robottom and Roberts. I know that people are going to go... Look, oh, Garner's a step above. Look at this. I'm just – you said on the pod, you guys talked about it at length. I'm I'm concerned with that tag this week. And it's only for one week for Garner. But I just – I think Robon can go big against Bulldogs. And I, I think I'd, I would rather Roberts over um, Goldsworthy. Um, and, yeah, I just think Garner, this could be a lower week. So I'm going Rob, uh, Robottom and Roberts. Yep. Uh, I agree. I think uh, of all the matchups where you're likely to see Garner struggle, this is the number one. I think Kathy Svark is a true stopper and has the ability to really clamp down. And I, yeah, I, I really rate the. Interestingly enough, if you were to kind of describe them as generically as possible, you'd probably describe Goldsworthy and Ella Roberts in very similar ways. Yeah. But even down to the fact that they're kind of thrown around the ground a bit. But to be honest, I just trust the fact that West Coast truly see Ella Roberts as a superstar and want to get her the ball as often as possible. Whereas GWS, I just don't trust their game style nearly as much. Yeah. To the point where as much as there is a big price difference, I think Ella Roberts can consistently put together 70s and 80s. Whereas with Goldsworthy, I think there's every possibility of a 40 because, I don't know, they decide she's a key back. And, and yeah, and we saw Robottom as well. If people like, oh, Gar- look at Garner, though. She's averaging, what was it, 140-odd uh, or, yeah, 143. But people yeah. looking at that game against Collingwood for Robottom last week was, like, just, it was weird, low scoring, 81 points she scored. And she was still the highest scorer for Gold Coast, and she was, I think, the third highest on the ground. But before that, she went 121, 144, and yes, I know it was against so the easier opposition, but Bulldogs are, are a good matchup as well. So I think she could put up another big score this week. I, I think she could put up another big score. I think it, it, it's going to be unsustainable to get to those 140s because I really think that, that was one of the most outrageous scoring performances we've seen in a long time. But if I my memory serves me correctly, and I'm just double-checking it now, but I still think she maintained her – yeah, so her market share was still down um, last week. So it was down at 8.2, whereas on the season she's been at 10.2 overall and it was 11.7 and 10.6 in the first two games. So it wasn't her best performance kind of scoring-wise in terms of her market share, but long-term I still expect her to be above that 10% mark, which I really see as the threshold for 
being a premium mid, particularly for Gold Coast, that have just shown a propensity to score a lot of points. Yeah. So on that basis, I, I think I prefer Rowbottom. Uh, and I, I just think that there's a world where Ghana has a bad score this week and she'll move down enough cash to the point where you can consider bringing her in the next few weeks. And there's every world where Ghana may score a few like l- less points this week because Bruton is back as well because Bruton is no you know midfield slouch. As a, as a third option, and we've also seen the improvement of Mia King, I think there there might soon become a bit of a mouth-to-feed problem at, at north in the midfield. Yeah. All right. Um, made it through. I was just say, I was just got one quick sort of question. Sort of, I think a few people might be looking at this as well. Is that who's the the defender pick that you're looking at? Like, if you're picking a premium defender, if you can afford anyone, um, is it is it still Tani Evans? Is she still top? Is it is it Daisy Darcy now? Um, is it a Bresnahan who's who's gone really well uh, this year? Hannah Priest. So, I, I, it pains me to admit it, but after Tani Evans. I really think it could be Hannah Priest, which would mean that I'm actually saying something positive about St Kilda, which, (laughs) but I had a look on Keeper League pod the other day, the other evening, and I think it's only something like eight players who've been named as defenders have CBAs week to week, and by far and away, the highest number is Hannah Priest. Um, and it's not like it's, you know, some no-name scrub. She was someone that a lot of people picked to start last year, and she's been pegged for having midfield time before and has also been someone that, you know, has scored well as a defender. So I, I really rate long-term, and I, I think Tani Evans is an absolute gun and, and a true game-changer. And I'm really hoping that it was just a bad – they were trying to few – Unique things to throw Richmond off the scent because Richmond obviously do really well at defending key defenders, or like those those impactful defenders. I, I trust Tiny Evans to be D one, but yeah, I think it probably is Hannah Priest. What well, Daisy Darcy is probably next. Daisy Darcy, and then it is Emma Carney as well because I, I I think as well her consistency comes from the fact that yeah she. We'll rack it up when the ball's down there and do just enough when they're doing well to make sure she's always around that 60 to 70 mark. Yeah. All right. Well, made it through the uh, all the teams and a fair few questions. Apologies that we didn't get to all of them uh, this evening and same for the pod this week as well. I know you've just mentioned them, but Bales, do you want to run through your trades and also possibly your captain picks yeah. this week? Or at least what they're at now. Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll go captains because mine's it's pretty simple uh, for me. I think it's going to stay the exact same for pretty much the whole year. It's Marinoff VC into Bowers. I, my only red dot is Murphy, and she plays the same time as Gardner, so that sort of rules out any potential um, VCing um, with Gardner there. And and I think Adelaide could could have another big win again um, against Giants who have been struggling a little bit. So and then, yeah, Bauer's obviously captain, who I think is going to go uh, big this week. So that's captain picks. In terms of trades, as I said before, I, I haven't really changed. It's pretty much, yeah, it's going Benici down to Ty Smith um, to get that cash, going Ash Riddell to, I think it is, as discussing a little bit more, I think it is probably road bottom uh, now looking at it. Um, with Webbs, Becky Webster coming back in, um, that sort of goes me a bit towards road bottom, but... I think Chris Parks has got a pretty nice run, so that's sort of it's it's fifty fifty. But at the moment, it's probably road bottom, and then uh, yeah, then my other trade is going um, Lister up to Daisy Darcy. Nice, 
And yes, at the moment, I have Riddell going sideways to Robottom. I've got Lister going up to Charlie Thomas. And then kind of got to pick a forward uh, trade-in for Lily Postlethwaite. I'm yet to decide if it'll be a red dot or if I might uh, yeah, pull something a little bit uh, more interesting. That I could look at going uh, Amy Macken because I do think that she's someone that will play, have at least some decent job security. Uh, Melbourne have shown that they were very happy to to stick Bly Macken in the side last year, and I don't think she actually ever came out and, and even played in that grand final. So might be a, a decent amount of cash burn, but I also want to think about uh, whether I can find someone who's a red dot for me because if I can find a red dot, I will be going VC Gardner into C Bowers because I'm very much looking forward to having a stab at uh, Laura Gardner as my vice-captain because uh, I should have done it last week. <laughs> Should have even gone over to C. Yeah. Uh, it's always very disappointing when you've got you know a few players inside the top five scorers in the week, and they're not even close to your captain choice. That was great. Well, Laura Gardner's that one. That, right, Laura well, Gardner's that you. one. It doesn't matter if it's not just the fact that you've got her and that you were so big on in the preseason. She's just <sighs> she's going miles and miles above what what you probably could have even anticipated. So. Yeah. Oh, well, without a doubt. Like, I was expecting. 90s. Not 151. Like I knew she was good. <laughs> I was expecting 90s because I was like, oh, she's Abby Mackay, like midfielder in real life, just needs the role. We'll get it eventually. And, and you know, she can put together decent scores. We've got longer games now. Nah, she's second high scorer in the game. 300s, 300s in a row. And for, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting I can claim every person that's picked her and whatever, but for those of you who are, uh, who did feel inclined to pick her after listening to the pod, you're welcome. <laughs> I've ruined my own fantasy championship winning season to some degree as a result. But it really does uh, really does make it easier watching Sydney games when you're like, oh, well, every, literally everyone inside the top 100 has her, but fuck, it's good. <laughs> and on that uh, delightful note, uh, we'll end it there. Bales, thanks again very much for joining me this week. It's always a pleasure having you on, and thank you, everyone, for listened live and all those who are listening back to the recording, which all things going will actually be uploaded this week after I don't think we've had nearly as many audio issues. Yeah. All yeah, right, been, everyone, enjoy. Been good tonight. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I was just saying, good, been good tonight. And if anyone, again, as usual, wants to uh, chat trades and stuff, uh, I'll be doing the pre-se- uh, pre-lockout chat tomorrow night. And uh, I don't think you'll be able to jump on lane with it being so early, but hopefully in future weeks with the games later, we'll be able to get um, people on, which will be good. So, yeah, make sure you tune in. Absolutely, yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh now that we well we've got one leak left of these 505s and we can move back to a more timeline uh, more helpful timeline all right everyone enjoy round four of footy and you'll hear from me next on the uh, podcast next week see See ya. ya